Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Right, well, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 37. Pure guess, I haven't checked, but that's got to be right. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think Sounds I'm pretty right. sure I did the artwork for the last one. It was 36, so we're going to go with it. So today, it's a brr, not so bright, actually. It's quite dark outside. Dark and early Sunday morning. And it's miserable. Miserable, yeah, miserable. But the two two grinders are up. Take that as you will. Yeah. No one no one seems to like to get up early. No. Uh, odd. Yeah, unfortunately, I've been up since 4 a.m. Because the... The young one has decided she didn't want to sleep this morning, which she hasn't done very often, but this morning she just did not want to, uh, to go back to sleep after waking up at about four, so, yeah. Sounds like Johnny. Yeah, 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 well, mate, you don't, yeah, know, yeah. you don't know what it's like to have kids, it's, it's hard work sometimes. Yeah, he texts me in, in the morning sometimes, ridiculous o'clock, yeah. or he's clearly working and something, he's like, have you done this? I'm like, no, Johnny, that's my Welsh accent, by the way. Um, no way, when have I done this? Yeah. Well, my phone's on airplane mode at night because of because of Johnny, basically. You can stick on Do Not Disturb rather than airplane. Um, could do same thing, you know. Well, other than the Do Not Disturb, it's got a little safety feature in that. Um, in your favourites list, if someone tries to ring you twice within a minute, it will let the call through. Yeah, that would be Johnny. Well, maybe, but I've, I've broken, th- I've broken, I've broken the website again. I've done this. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just thinking maybe if someone needs to get hold of you, then. You know, yeah, emergencies maybe. and all that. So, yeah, we we do have a house phone. I know it's old school. What? Yeah, Fuck you man. have a house line anyway, don't you? As part of broad brand. Well, yeah, but that's generally the only reason. And to be honest, yes, I have actually got a phone plugged into it, but there was a time where I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it terrifies me when it rings, but people, two on? people have that number. So, do you answer it? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, but you say yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sky basically. Sky normally ring. Yeah, I was going to say, if you think two people have got their, that phone, someone will get all of it somehow. Like, you'll still get PPI and accident claims come through, so I guarantee it. They get it from anywhere. Bastards. Yeah, bastards. Yeah, it's a good, good, good test if uh, Johnny actually listens to this, if he uh, can stick to this later. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. What, what are we saying? Do you reckon he does? I reckon, I reckon he does. He started going walks again, starting to try to lean out. Or something. Yeah, okay. I listen back. Most of them. Just the ones you're not on, though, right? No, sometimes I listen back to the ones I was on. Sound quality, etc. Yeah. See how much of a bell end you come across as. Well, sometimes you make a. Uh, you don't really notice when you're in the flow, do you? But you sometimes say something that's not the right way around. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah, true. I think major. Just, just a. Uh, quite obvious mistakes, but yeah. Sense check. Yeah, and then you can correct if needed. Yeah. Well. Oh, anyway, how how are we, Brizzle? Yeah, other than being a bit tired, all right. Yeah, I say. Um, I think, like I say, we we had a little check in me and Ed last time, so people know how the progress is going for team or project shoot. But nice. all all right, I do think I'm probably going to be getting to a point where, although weight has still steadily decreased, um, and progress pitches are still steadily tightened up, uh, probably getting to a point where. I'm sure Ed's going to make some adjustments. I think he probably would have done this week, but I was a really naughty boy and didn't provide him with any any data to do so. 
whether that's wow. sub, whether that's subconsciously because I didn't want to put my calories down. <laughs> wow. Which it could have been. It's yeah. just like it's just total opposite of things that we tell clients. Not I know, to I know, I know, it's mate. Classic. But classic. but but forgive for this week. Obviously, with um all the stuff we've been doing on the uh, on the semi private yep, coaching true. and you know, all the developments we've got, it has been incredibly busy and I think even even I'm sure you'll agree, even every now and then you give give one of you give a client a little bit of a benefit of the doubt when they've had a busy week and forgive them. So I'm sure he'll hopefully do the same for me. Yeah. Well uh, Yeah, if you if you're one to one client of ours, it kind of reminds you anyway and you get a nice little button that even if you don't answer the questions, you just submit your my fitness pal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Get it. Yeah, if you are tracking, hopefully. Yeah. Well to to be fair, I mean obviously Ed Ed has got access to most of my data anyway so things like my nutritional data on mfp and uh, okay, data. Yeah. so if he wanted to he could go however like it's like anything if i don't really provide him with data i can't expect a response so i'm cool with that so yeah that's the thing you can't really yeah. expect him to work with with nothing or if you can't be bothered to do a check-in then why should he so yeah that's that's, that's fair i think that's, that's fair it. yeah so um so yeah, no, that's all, all all gone all right though actually. So not a lot else going on really, I suppose. Yeah, just trying to think what I've actually been doing. Not a lot, just obviously all the all the work in the no nonsense nutrition um company. Yeah, yeah, just that yeah. type of stuff. So all the stuff we're developing really. So that's quite cool. How about you? What's been going down? Obviously, how was your let's have you hear your review of the uh of the tip of the dump. Yeah, so in I guess in Dr. Mike the second fashion, I I went to the dump. It is dump because unlike Banner's posh tip, which I, he had no reason to moan about, to be fair, it was, you know, he's got a little hatch and he chucks it through and it goes down. I went to the dump and it was literally uh, just a big pile of rubbish you reverse up to. And there's rubbish all over the floor and you have to chuck your stuff out. Mm. Uh, That's North London, isn't it? Or no, what are you, South East? South East. South East London. Uh, to be fair, there is normally bins, but they, were, they had some problems. So they were like, oh, you can go natural dump dump today. Um, which we did kind of stopped happening about 15 years ago. So I wore slippers expecting there to be uh, just bins where you chuck it in and concrete floor in, and I, uh, I had to ruin a pair of slippers. So it's a strong, as, as per Dr. Mike rankings, it's a strong two out of seven, I think. I like yeah. that she requires that. Yeah. Our, our, our tip is very much like Dr. Mike's from what I saw, and that is like a bit of a hanger um, where you, yeah, like if you just chuck it over the edge into a, into a pit almost. He, he, he's so such up upper middle class, isn't he? The first time he's ever been to a to tip. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, like like he's so upper middle class, yet he had a, had a, uh, he always wants everything cheap. You know, yes. like every, yeah. everything is like I noticed the other day he's looking for a cleaner or something. He said, Can anyone can anyone recommend me a really good cleaner? By good I mean cheap and it's just <laughs> I think, oh well, you know. I do like I do like Dr. Mike. I like I don't he Dr. Mike, big big thank you for shouting out or sharing obviously the podcast last week after we mentioned you, but I'm not sure <laughs> if it was good or bad. After Ed Slayton. Yeah. I was gonna say I'm not uh, sure if you were just saying Ed Ed, you're a bit of a tosser for for saying because I think Ed didn't mean anything necessarily negative. <laughs> but I think he he kind of gave like a um uh I don't know, like a underhanded compliment almost in that obviously the, the reviews are like rubbish as in like you're not really talking about anything but they're really funny I think that's what he meant to say 
but yeah, I don't know if I came across it or not. This is going to be a regular section of the podcast, the uh, Dr. Mike, the second update. Do you know what? Actually, that would be funny. Like, um, if I, we'll, do a, yeah, we'll do a regular feature of Dr. Mike's reviews. I noticed this, yeah. he was reviewing Panna Cotta with uh, Alderton <laughs> or something like that. He, he was posting a pickled beetroot or something like, something like that. Oh, mate, yeah, I love beetroot. Big fan. Is this a thing? Like, Well, what do you mean is it a thing? What, is beetroot a thing? Or? Sorry. Pickle, no, sorry, not beetroot. Pickle turnips. Oh, turnips. Oh, yeah, it was turnips, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's like a Lebanese thing, isn't it? No, it just says these are my favourite. I mean, yeah. are they good? Are they low calorie? Are they tasty? Uh, What's going well, on? Turnips are low calorie. Gave, I'm assuming they're pickled gave, in vinegar. Then... He gave us no further information. It was just, no. uh, these are my favourite. Dr. Mike. So, yeah, Mike, yeah, please sort, follow up. Sort it out, mate. In um, fact, actually, do you know what? Dr. Mike, we're going to say, we're going we're gonna to put it out there to the world to the uh, wide world, you need to come on to here and we'll do a review episode of many things you've reviewed. You can go over some of the stuff like pickled turnips. I think that'd be something people yeah. would be interested in. Yeah, or the, the whole heck saga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about um, the, the heck issues, yeah. Uh, right, anyway, so let's, let's move on. So we'll get Dr. Mike on, definitely, because um, he could probably add some value, let alone just talking about turnips and heck sausages. So... Um, Today, what are we talking about? I think we're going to go for a bit of that listener Q&A again. We've got a, a few questions in the various groups, so the free Facebook group, which is No Nuts Nutrition. It's flying in there, it's quite a lot of members. Mm. Um, so that's good. Go go find that and join. But we've also had some from our client groups as well, just some questions. On, um, on the group, not just a lot of members, hmm. there's also a lot of value. So obviously a lot of value. Lot, lots of tons okay. of free information going out at the times. So don't just join it for... Think it's just a group. I mean, it, there, it is just a group, and it is oh, no, sorry, not just a group. It is a group, but there's lots more to it in terms of you know daily posts, lots of information and actionable stuff you can use. Obviously, it's a nice community for people to essentially support and help each other. So um, yeah, if you if you want to learn about nutrition and um, you know just kind of get some actionable tips, go join it. Yeah, and it's not only us. By podcast coaches, it seems to be half of them and you in there as well. So yeah, <laughs> you get access. To Even big, big, big news. One of our former guests is in there as well. Pipes up every now and then. Uh, Fran Bolt, another former guest, is in there. Yeah. Even Martin McDonald himself. We got Big Dan in there. I don't think he is. Dan, big Dan. Uh, big Dan. Big Dan's too cool for us. Yeah, that guy is too cool. He's too cool. What yeah. a guy. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've got some listener questions, I think. I think Alma's put a few in, and there's some from the private coaching, which I want to bring up. So yeah, should we, should we get into them? Let's get into them. Right, okay. Get into them, mate. Get into it, yeah. All right, so um, the first question from Marta, uh, I'm going to say Luis, or it could be Luis, but it's spelled L-U-I-S, so I'm going to say Luis. Um, Luis. Uh, would like to understand what is the reverse diet... How it works, um, basically, is any good? So I don't know if you want to touch on that, my friend. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably start by referring to a great ice cream for PRs episode, um, which had like Helms, um, I can't remember, something like Helms, uh, Lane, yeah. yeah, Norton, Lane Norton, and there were some other people in there. All good people discussing um, reverse dieting. It's, there's kind of two, I guess, concepts associated with that. There's the 
lane-esque reverse diet, which is slowly, slowly, slowly adding calories to uh, at the end of a diet to ensure you don't, um, you know, lose any, I guess he described it as metabolic capacity, but basically going back up so you don't um, have the effects of dieting on your metabolism. I think just, um, just just to add in that bit, mate, I think like he's referred to before as like the, is it? I think he used the term like metabolic disconnect. So the difference, the one, yeah. difference between obviously, um, no, actually, I don't know. I don't know the easiest way to spare it and I don't want to ruin obviously what you're about to say. So actually you carry on. Yeah, I just, there's that and then there's, you know, the reverse dieting, which is coming out of a diet. Um, where do you go once you're out of, you know, you've been dieting, you've reached a goal weight, where do you go after that? So that second one is the, the one I would talk to and the approach I'd only ever use really. It's not the lame one I kind of don't really buy into in terms of like trying to get back to a calorie amount after dieting. Like, and we're talking very extreme dieting when you refer to this, but still adding, I think there's some cases like five grams of fat or five grams, even five grams of carbs a week or a day or whatever it is. It's, very slow. Um, and the Ice Cream for PRs podcast, um, that roundtable episode, kind of went into that in, in good detail. So I guess my take would be um, reverse diet is just simply coming out of a diet. Like, what do you do once you've reached a goal weight? Um, and how best to do that? There's various uh, schools of thought on that. Um, yeah, I mean... Do you want to jump in there before I go to more any more detail? Yeah, well, I guess like just position it. So like, why is it a thing, reverse dieting? So I suppose it's one of those things where the reason it's even really ever talked about or why why it kind of like the whole concept was created is mainly because, because whichever way you look at it, what a reverse diet is, it's kind of like, well, you need to understand like why, why it came about. So I suppose it's one of those things where when you're dieting for such uh, long magnitude to get lean, Obviously, your body has certain adaptations, so we're kind of like it's, it's probably really formed out of more the bodybuilding um, uh, or, or circles, I suppose. Although I guess there is also from the, an expectation of like obese people losing a lot of weight as well. But basically, when you've dieted for a long time, we, and we've talked about them before on the podcast, that your body does have certain adaptations. So um, your kind of your metabolic rate does adapt, does drop with obviously getting smaller and stuff like that. So I guess the point is like, okay, well. Um, when you then get down to either your goal weight, so if you're like a bodybuilder on stage or you just lost a ton of weight but you're obviously at a point where your calories are what you consider pretty low, because it does happen, you get to a point where your calories are pretty low and you probably can't really feel like you've got much room to drop them any further, what do you do? Because it's kind of like, well, at some point you can't continue to eat that way. So there's always this, this premise that if you then start to slowly reverse your calories out, so start reversing back up again, your body will adapt um, and it will start increasing your energy expenditure in line with the obviously the calories that you're increasing it by. Therefore, you're not putting on weight, but you're obviously up in the amount you can eat. And therefore, it gives you then room to either diet again or, um, you know, you kind of start recovering from that severe leanness of being in, say, like bodybuilding shows or bodybuilding prep. So I guess that's kind of like the premise of why it comes about. And like you say, it's kind of like yeah, there's two... Yeah. two t- Lane Norton was the first person I ever heard it from. from and I, I, I don't know if it was one of his... Um, one of his podcasts like three or four years ago or not but or it might have been before then I don't know but yeah th- basically his, his premise is very slow like you say like literally adding five carbs five grams of carbs a week like 20 calories 
So you can imagine how long, like if you've dieted down from, so, so just let's give like a case, a real case example just to put it into context for people I suppose. So you might be like your average Joe, you, you can maintain on 2,600 calories or something like that. And then you get to a point where you've completely dieted down, got really lean and you've ended up on 1,700. And obviously you, you like weight starts to plateau or you've got to your goal wherever it was. And now you're thinking, right, okay, what do I do next? Well, if you go back to 2,600 the next day, you're going to be a surplus, so you're going to start putting on weight, which might not be, be what you want to do, because we've talked about that, like your new maintenance as such is not the same as it was previously, so you have to reduce that. So the premise is, yeah. well, if you slowly go back up, you won't put any body fat, and you'll slowly increase your calories, hopefully over and above what you had previously, or at least back to where you were about putting on any weight. That's the idea, isn't it? And obviously, later... Yeah, and there's, sorry, just on that, there's all these crazy stories, like, not so much now, but... Few years ago, people were like, yeah, I've I've increased, you know, my maintenance calories from two thousand four hundred up to three thousand. Mm. I'm now maintaining on four. Like all these crazy stories where they built, they call this is what they're saying that I've built this metabolic capacity or I've built this this capacity, and really that just doesn't play out um, the way they were saying it was. Um, no, I suppose on that, I was going to say it's like it's like it's like the, the reverse diet became a magical thing where. Anyone, if they, anyone they want to, can now just start slowly eating more, and your body adapts to it. And all of a sudden, you you won't put on weight, and you'll just increase your metabolic capacity, as you say. Which yeah, it's basically if I if I add calories back really slowly, I'll I'll just become used to them, and my I'll increase my BMR. Which do you know if that was true? I like I'd happily sacrifice a year of slowly rebuilding it up to to build up to be allow me to um, maintain a lot more calories, but yeah. just doesn't work that way um, well, I think it, I think if it was true you wouldn't we wouldn't see half of the obesity epidemic <laughs> true very true so yeah I'm I my take post so like what we do with people post dieting is we want you want to kind of get but we're talking very lean people here so we've got you know severe adaptations or uh, the usual things associated with uh fairly extreme dieting, you know, like low testosterone and sex drive and stuff like that. So you kind of want to get them back into a place um, where their body is functioning at its best. So, you know, post a diet down to a goal weight, we would, you probably move their, you move them back to maintenance basically, minus maybe one or 200 calories. Um, so you just calculate the new maintenance based on their body weight. And then probably minus a couple of hundred calories off just to say, like you said, build up in that place. Um, all very client dependent though. Um, so it depends. If, obviously, if they're a just a generic uh, gen pop weightless client, they want to maintain around that weight, then we'd calculate new maintenance minus a couple of hundred calories off and then see where they are, adjust from there. Um, but some people you get straight back to what their, their maintenance is. But I think the important point there is it's not... Um, it's not what your maintenance was because you're, you were maintaining a lot higher body weight. It's your, what your maintenance will be. And it's kind of trying to refine that um, at your new body weight. Because even though the calculations, you know, can give you a rough guide, that you, you've been dieting for so long, they're like, it might be some of those adaptations we're talking about. Um, or sometimes you find actually moving people to maintenance, they have a weird week or two where they lose um, a bit more weight where activity just spikes massively. Um, I've seen that once or twice. Mm. Jeez, we had a we had a really cool um, 
really cool uh, place that in the NNN free group actually we just gave uh, a lady in there some advice she's been dieting for a very long time on super high amounts of cardio just up to the calories a bit and cut down some of the cardio lost weight where she stalled but it was just activity outside of um, her cardio or gym work had increased mm. so yeah it's funny um, you know, people claim all this kind of magic but it's there's always an explanation and it usually revolves around neat yeah, or water retention or something like that. Oh, yeah, water retention is another, another classic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you've... Like, I wouldn't ever say to someone I'm reverse dieting you. I'd just say, you know, we're, we're moving back to maintenance. Yeah, I think, like, it's becoming certainly more acceptable in the evidence-based community um, that, like, the slow approach is not magic in any way and you're kind of inevitably actually just delaying getting back to almost what you consider recovery. Because especially yeah. if, if we're talking in the bodybuilding context, um, especially it's like, well, you've been dieting, you kind of like all of the adaptations that happened are because you're such low body fat. So the answer is not like increase your calories. The answer really is get back to your like set point body fat. <laughs> um, like, and the quicker you do that, the quicker you recover. So it's kind of a bit like you can either take ages to get back to that set point body fat and be in one, the same position as you would do getting back there a lot quicker. Yeah, you get the back there quicker. You've got more time to then do whatever your next goal is, i.e., like build muscle or, or whatever. So. Yeah, I think um, I don't know if anyone follows Alberto Nunez on Instagram. Um, he's the guy who gets incre- he's an actual bodybuilder, but gets insanely lean, like one of the most ridiculously lean fellas you'll ever see. Um, veins all over the place. He he loves some joke on his stories about how he's rapidly trying to get back to his, you know happy place or his happy weight and stuff like that yeah. and he will just move straight back up into almost not I think he even goes to surplus for a bit yeah. Um, but yeah I mean it's it's interesting it's a term that's been a bit bastardised and abused in the industry it's kind of in my head got some negative connotations attached to it now probably wouldn't uh, clients probably wouldn't even notice if I said it or would care yeah. uh, it's more more those you're involved in nutrition yeah. I, I think it's like you said it's like it, the, the problem is it's just sold as something magical which, which is not and it's like it's almost like coaches need something like that to separate themselves from everyone else because they need to be able to sell something that's magical or something that's going to do something that other coaches aren't going to be able to do so kind of this whole reverse dieting or pushing up your calorie ceiling or increasing your metabolic capacity is kind of like well yeah this I'm special I can do all this for you and system reality yeah, doesn't exist which brings you on to actually a nice tangent, which I was just thinking about, which is often the reason for that is coaches are worried about losing a client when they get to their goal weight or they've achieved their target, um, which is fine because often people will want to have some of the food they've been restricted. But it's probably the most important time to have a client is post-diet just to keep you... Like, ultimately, the goal shouldn't be to get to the target weight. The goal should be to maintain that target weight or within that target range. And I think having a coach coaching you through maintenance is sometimes more valuable than coaching you to get down. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, personally, I've, that's where I've gone wrong in the past is I when I maybe early days when I had a lot of weight to lose, I lost a hell of a lot of weight. And then I thought, oh, I'm here. And then same old habits will creep back in because I just dropped my coaching. Mm. Whereas, whereas now I've learned to... Um, obviously, I don't need to... Um, to have a coach for that period anymore but I have had previously and it's made a world of difference in terms of not going wild not doing all these stupid cheat meals or 
just creeping back on old habits. So yeah, the value of a coach isn't just to get your goal weight. Your aim should always be maintenance yeah. in that goal weight. I, I, uh, I would absolutely agree in that the dieting part for me in my personal experience, and to be honest, like anecdotally what I see with most people I either work with or kind of just have contact with, dieting is generally the easier bits. I've said it before, like dieting, yes, there's some stumbling blocks, you have issues, barriers or whatever, but on the whole, I think it's the easier part than either maintaining or trying to build muscle because that's exactly where I've gone wrong in that losing weight's been reasonably successful. The pro- where I've gone wrong probably the last five years is when I've ever then tried to okay, so kind of, okay, well, what happens next after I've kind of got to a point where I'm comfortable with my weight, obviously looking to improve, build muscle or whatever, I've gone way too far. I would have probably done with a coach on that after period to actually stop me going too mad. Um, did like a twelve week bulk one year where I ended up putting on more weight than I'd lost the other bloody forty weeks of the year. It's like yeah. okay, that's probably the wrong way round, like in hindsight. But it's just so hard to obviously because muscle muscle gain is so slow. Um, Plus, you do get a bit carried away of enjoying the food and stuff like that. It can be so easy to kind of go it wrong. So, as much as like just bring a bit of balance to the argument, as much as reverse dieting is not a special thing, the the coaching bit, as you mentioned, obviously, like at the end of the or the second part after you lost the weight, is incredibly important because it is so easy still to get wrong. Yeah, definitely. Like it's just, um, and it's not like I'm standing on a mighty tower here. It's something that I've just done wrong myself on many occasions in the past um, I'd like to think I'm in a much better place now but dieting to levels not seen before this time around so um, see what happens yeah yeah right I think we've, we've done that one so we've got a question from um, Alma Alma uh, Ruiz we've got Sir Lewis and Ruiz um, I'm probably absolutely butchering these names aren't I I'm just thinking the, the people Definitely listening are going to go oh, yeah sorry, sorry if I have that's it's horrible to, uh, yeah, yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> so, um, hit versus list for weight loss. What's better? So, just I'll, I'll define hit and list just so anyone, I'm sure most people will know, but obviously, hit is high intensity interval training, list is uh, low intensity steady state training. So, think of hit as your full on effort sprints, short bursts, Tabata style training, maybe. Um, circuits, that type of stuff. Although, you know, I don't know if you could really define circuits as hit, but still, just basically your high intensity work versus low intensity, which is your kind of very slow jogging, walking on a treadmill, slow recumbent bike, or whatever. You know, so what's yeah. better for weight loss slash fat loss? <laughs> That's a it's a loaded question, right? Because it's multi multifaceted. Um, no, I think, you know, there's a massive, before we get into the detail, I guess, there's a massive push towards HIT this year, or in the past few years, there's this magical, wonderful fat burning tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a favourite floppy head friend loves HIT workouts. So, this, a bit like protein, right? You know, like, everything's now with protein or high protein, and mm-hmm. it's not. There's lots of things that are labelled as HIT that are not. Like, there's all these HIT classes in London yeah. that are, like, 45 minutes long and if you are truly truly doing hit you're not doing it for 45 minutes mm. um so there's that you'll you know you're just doing moderate exercise just ex- yeah so just explain that mate because that's something i say all the time to people when they say about hit like why are you not so, doing it for 45 minutes 
hit is high intensity exercise, right? And you're you're limiting your capacity to do to do that. When you're doing hit, you're pushing as hard as you can. Um, and anyone who's like, you you mentioned some Tabata training, which um, you know anyone who doesn't understand what hit is, have a look at that and try and do that with a. <laughs> With a, with a form of exercise that's only four minutes long and the first time I ever did that I, I just absolutely wiped out like puddle of sweat on the floor in pain didn't know what happened seeing start the work like in four minutes if you, <laughs> if you do it properly that that'll kind of give you an idea of where you are it, yeah you're, you're going all out for as long as you um for for different periods, resting and going again, you cannot maintain that level of output for 45 minutes. Um, if you can, then you're a freak or, I don't know. Just a total machine. Just a total machine. I'm sure there's, there's probably some very, very high-level athletes who could do it for, for a long while, but I'd even question 45 minutes. It's like sprinters asking them to run sprint for 45 minutes. It's not happening, is it? No. no. Um, uh, just, just on yeah. that, I think, just, uh, just worth adding, actually, I think, like a good a good um, example of like what what probably like the structure of a hit should look like is kind of like fifteen seconds on, minimum thirty seconds off, forty five seconds off. If you can recover and go again within sort of thirty seconds, forty five seconds after a fifteen minute bout, you ain't doing hit. Mm. Which brings us on to I guess what's better for fat loss. So lifts is obviously like you said, walk in, treadmill, walk in, slow jogging. Um, they, they both work for fat loss is the short answer. So HIT is very time efficient. You burn a lot of calories in a short amount of space. Um, there's this whole epoch thing, which people claim, um, you know, elevates calorie burning after the HIT training session for like 24 hours or something. Yeah, while that's true, it's not huge or massive enough draw, to make a huge difference. Do you want to explain epoch? Epoch, post-exercise... Uh, Exercise, post oxygen yeah. consumption. Got me going that's there. It. <laughs> so, just, uh, just so people know what it is, that's all. Yeah, ex- ex- excess post exercise oxygen consumption. That's a mouthful. Um, it's just your body taking in more, basically, you build up a, a death of oxygen, is the way that people explain it. Mm. Um, it's just like, know, the, it's, it's just like the oxygen cost of. of that like exercise for like recovery, like you say, almost like an, an excellent debt you've got to pay back. Yeah. And while it does increase your cal- cal- calorific, I can't even speak this morning. It's, it's early, it's early, mate. Layer. It's quarter past seven. It's early. It does increase your calorific burn. It's not um, this golden ticket if one makes it out to be. It's, it's probably negligible. So HIT does burn a lot of calories for that. Then you've got lists, which arguably you can burn more calories because you're able to do it for longer, but there is a time cost associated with it. Now, each of these has a different cost in terms of how it impacts the rest of your day, how it impacts your ability to train, how it impacts your recovery. So generally, I personally, I would myself would always use lists. Um, I might chuck in some hit if I'm training for a specific event, like I'm doing row 100 again, so I'll chuck that into my cycles just to build up some and aerobic benefit but for fat loss I prefer list because it, one it doesn't drive my hunger as much so hit really drives my hunger I think we talked about this before it's largely mm-hmm. individual but we covered up a few episodes um, it's easy for me to do like you know I can just go out and walk 
which I do a lot. Um, so it's accessible. It is time consuming. So, you know, I get up early to go for an hour long walk um, or I get up early to go to a different station to walk in to fill my steps up. So it is time consuming. Um, but it doesn't fatigue or impact my recovery as much. So my gym performance is good. Well, as good as can be. You sim in the gym. 15 minute wonder. 12. Uh, 12. Oh, it's a bad day. I just, that pre-workout hit me. I don't know. Um, whereas HIIT, while it does have those benefits, you can, it can fatigue you heavily. So if you're doing a leg session the next day and you've done HIIT the day before, that can be challenging, um, fatiguing. And also I find people who do excessive amounts of HIIT training tend to have a lot less activity outside of um, gym time or workout time. So they end up, reducing activity outside of their predetermined exercise time, um, which can lead to weight loss stalls when they are getting to the very, or towards the end, lower end of a diet. Um, and again, sorry, the another consideration is how many calories you're on, like where you are in a diet. If you're on low calories, do you really want to be using your energy for it or do you want to be saving that for grinding? Cause we're all in heroes through your gym session. Um, so if you're on mega calories and you you know you start out diet, then yeah, one or two sessions a week is probably fine. Um, but towards the end of the diet, I think you're going to just start fatiguing yourself. Is my take, and that's obviously biased because of my own preferences. I'm not saying don't be hit. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I'll be honest. Like we have the same same opinion of it. In like, I think the point you made around like hit being good for obviously like time saving. Um, like from a calorie perspective, which is basically what matters, you could say like I don't know, like a decent hit session. You might do 250 calories, say, like a decent hard session. I think you know it's hard to say actual amounts really because obviously everyone's going to be different in terms of size, weight, fitness levels, all that type of stuff. But you could just say in general, like you might get 250 calories as an example out of a hit session. Whereas if you then did like an hour's cardio instead, you'd probably get six, seven hundred. So straight away you think, well, okay, yeah. There's a time cost, like you say. So I'm having to spend an hour doing cardio rather than doing, you know, 15 minutes of hit. But obviously, from a capacity perspective, they're probably about the same. So as in how much you can do. Um, just obviously, I'm being very general, but so that gives you a bit of an idea. So this afterburn effect has to be pretty damn bloody good. This epoch to obviously kind of match that, if that's if if that makes sense, to then make hit kind of like a better. I think, like, I posted something actually um, online reasonably recently. I think it was sometime last week because someone was doing exactly what you said about it's so popular nowadays and he's here and this is magic special afterburn effect. And I was like, hang on a minute, right? Here's a study, like Pub, PubMed reference. There we go. Look, study here where they, they did some um, studies on people doing hit on cycling. And the, the ex post-exercise uh, oxygen consumption was between 6 and 12% of the total oxygen used for or calories burned through that session. So if we take my 250 calorie example, what's 6% of 250? So oh, don't ask me mate. I'm, that's I that's didn't... that's 15 calories, I think. So that's like okay. So the that could be between 15 and then 12, what's 612? Uh, oh sorry, what's 12% of 250? So what's that? That's 25 like nearly 30 so 28 point something so that's basically the post-exercise uh, cost or the afterburn effect so we're talking there between 15 and 28 calories 
something like that. It's like, is it really worth taking that into consideration, really? Given that we like, they didn't actually measure the after in this study, they didn't me measure the afterburn effect of um, the steady state. There might not have been any, I don't know, because obviously you don't really ever hear anyone talk about kind of EPOP for steady yeah. state. But I would imagine there'd be something. You are doing muscular damage, or you are creating muscular damage. You are obviously, I know you can obviously, it's um, an aerobic exercise rather than anaerobic, but still, like, I can imagine there's probably one or two calories that are going to be used afterwards. So if you're then doing comparing the two, it basically just makes it like it's a, a nil point. It's just literally just a non-point the afterburn effect. Yeah, it would generally be really cool, and I don't know how you'd even design a study, fund it, blah blah blah. But it would be a study seeing what the impact and need is of both of those. So yes, you get the mm. epoch effect, but I, I'm willing to wager good money that your non-exercise activity pitches or whatever you want to call it will go down significantly so you, you the calorie burn i imagine will be offset probably my humble non-evidence-based no no opinion it's, there. it's, it's the, well it's, it's not directly evidence-based but it is evidence-based because obviously we went through the studies before around that they show people's need just not not any type of cardio not just hit or or not specifically list they said when people do cardio the evidence does show that they tend to then move less the rest of the day so that kind of makes absolute sense. You, I mean, whether it's worse or not worse for between hit and list, I don't know. But I think the, the point still remains. Like you'd probably say, if I was to gamble, I would say hit would be the worst out of the two, just because of the sheer effort levels and, and the intensity required. You're inevitably going to be more tired and and muscularly muscularly fatigued. So, none of us until this morning, but yeah, muscularly. Um, yeah, and it kind of goes back to like one of the best results we ever had, like in a short period of time with clients, was I think a four week change. And I, if I didn't know the person and wasn't my client, I would have called bullshit on the changes. And oh. um, she, we basically said to her, you know, don't worry about, she was doing hit, hated it. So don't worry about that, just walk, because I know you like walking. So her steps went incredibly through the roof. Um, and the other thing was telling her that bread's okay. So, she stopped binging because she cheated on her diet. But yeah. Um, yeah, like step count is just a is like a game changer for me. In fact, I was talking to our, our main man Alid the other night. Um, we just had a brief chat, and he was talking about how much of a game changer increasing people's steps has been for him um, in terms of weight loss and how you can manipulate that without too much fatigue. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 exactly why it's a game changer because. If you're comparing hit lists, hit and lists, like they, they all come with some negatives that you have to consider, i.e. recovery and stuff. Whereas you throw in step count outside of the time cost, you're pretty golden. There isn't really a lot. You, like you could, most people could probably walk all day and not really have to have too much kind of like effect on fatigue or other stuff. I mean, obviously you use that term loosely, you can literally walk all day because so feet would probably hurt, but still, you know, like... Yeah, you, well, there, there is that... Um, there's... <laughs> total tangent there's like Lyle's rapid fat loss plan and he's got something like a little add-on to that called the ultra fat loss I paid for that by the way um, ultra fat loss don't tell Lyle <laughs> inside joke um, <laughs> it's an add-on called the ultra fat loss thing or something like that basically basically like this is absolutely stupid but if you wanted to do it this is six hours walking a day with this calories knock yourself out um, or something along that line it's six hours of exercise but the other point I just want to 
kind of draw into that we like the fitness injury is just extremes. Like, there's this hit or there's this. You know, you can just do some moderate exercise as well. There's you know, that's probably a, a yeah. lot of bad, bad place to dip into every now and then for cardiovascular fitness. Yeah. Um, that, that that's that's what's worth. Sorry, mate. Um, I think that's worth adding in there because. Uh, actually, I'm trying to think where I heard. Just to give credit to it, I think it, it might have been uh, actually Jeff Nippard actually on. So obviously, ice cream for PRs. But it wasn't his podcast. That was his. I think he was on Steve Hall's Revive Stronger podcast. And they were talking about cardio. Like, do you do cardio? And he basically said, and he said something like, "No, basically, like." I let my nutrition look after my fat loss. I use cardio for um, health, basically. So he said, I don't do a lot of it, but I just do it to try and keep my cardiovascular health. And I think that's always quite a nice way of looking at it. Like cardio, yes, it is a method of expending further calories. It does help a bit with fat loss, but if you don't, if you don't fo- use it focusedly, or sorry, if you don't focus on it just as that, as in like, you know, just as a tool for fat loss, and you actually look at it more from a health perspective, it's kind of like, well, actually, yeah, I'll just let my diet sort out, and that way I can just do a bit of cardio every now and then just to just to be healthy. Yeah, and the research on, um, you know, the minimum effective dose and stuff like that, like, if it, I, I, people say to me, why do you still do cardio stuff when you bulk? And it's for that very reason. Mm. Um, I, I know it doesn't look like I've ever been bulking, but trust me, I have. Um Plus you like to eat. Plus you like to eat, mate. It just gives you a bit more. Plus I like to eat, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been bulking loads. Um, but I still keep cardio in just because, one, I don't really want to lose some of the fitness I built up a couple of years ago, which was a long, hard slog getting there. Um, you know, I didn't really move too much. And two, like the health side of it as well. It's, it's, I think it's important to keep that in. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm, unlike most people, I seem to care about my health as well as physique. Uh, what's the vanity vanity stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just right. It's right though. So it's, it's a. It's for me personally. I think it's one of the more healthy or positive ways to look at it. Excuse the pun. Just because, like everyone's so worried. I mean, even even this this question is all focused around what's better for weight loss. It's like, well, nutrition is probably better for weight loss. Like, look at basically eat to energy expenditure. That's that's kind of like the easiest way. Like cardio, really. Maybe you should look at it. Is it's just good for your heart. It's good for your general health. <laughs> you yeah. know, don't look at it for weight loss yeah I, it is but also I mean there is a point where you may have to add some in but again that's where steps come in and does adding steps count as cardio not really not, yeah. not in my opinion yeah not no, in my opinion so, I mean then it's not I, neat it's not neat either is it walking it's not really non-exercise well, cause... I, I know I bundle it in with that but it's it's not because it is. Every, everyone bundles it in, don't they? Everyone bundles it. In. That's why Mal- Mark, Malcolm Martin came up with obviously like uh, what do you call it? NEPA, non-exercise physical activity. Yeah, I don't think he invented that. That is that is a thing. But um... oh, okay, I thought he did. Oh no, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he. Or maybe I've got it wrong. What what I'm, the, the the reference I'm talking to? But I remember him specifically saying like, I've come up with this because no one else seems to have done. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it was. Else, yeah, it must be Paul Mills. Big old rich cinema. Oh, I just thought it was. Sorry, mate. So yeah, you probably are right. So someone like Rich probably was talking about Ninat. Was it non-exercise, non-activity oh, yeah, thermogenesis? Ninat. That was that's, it. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of separa- I mean, separating your walking from your knee. The simplicity. I'll just bundle it in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so you can argue that is that even cardio? So what is cardio? That's a whole. What's whole nut on my field? 
Right, let's, uh, God, we're 44 minutes in. Right, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to have to drop off in the next five, I think. Right, well, we've got, we'll do one more question. Um, and then we'll, if any others, we'll leave. So this is your favourite one anyway. So um, Alma again, great question. Periods, how do they affect weight? And what's the science behind bloating increased hunger? Um, particularly for sugar salt. And how best to tie around this? Um, Matty's gone quiet. He feels uncomfortable about this subject. Just, just, just don't tell Lyle. Buy the book. Don't tell Lyle. <laughs> uh, Second reference. Um, yeah, you could just buy Lyle's book and um, like buy Lyle, have, buy Lyle's book, and then yeah, I, have, I haven't read it, so I know. No, me neither. But I'm sure that's got a load in there. Um, I know you've looked this up briefly because. We kind of talk about it with some of our group. Um, and it, again, it largely into individual, I think, yeah. people's reactions. But what's the evidence saying, Bruce? Yeah, I think you're right, into individual. And it's something me and Ed also covered in one of the live Q&As through the semi-private coaching last week. I think it might have been the first week. I can't remember. But um, what that did come up was one of the questions from one of the ladies in the group. So we covered it in one of those. So, um, yeah, admittedly, uh, it's not something I go through or go out my way to talk about loads, even with previous clients. So just you kind of mention mention the concept and just say like consider the fact that there is some some differential in in water weight across the weeks of your period. So and generally tend to not go into too much more detail than that. Um, but yeah, I kept, I thought it might be useful just obviously for people listening just to talk through the stages so they can kind of align it. For, so for the women listening, they can align it with their own experiences and then maybe try and do something about it in terms of helping. Um, so yeah, so okay, so the question is around obviously like what's the science behind the bloating, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and how it affects their weight. So basically you've got like your, well, I suppose four stages of the cycle. So we've got premenstrual, um, follicular, luteal, and then your period. So we can kind of almost separate those into weeks. So in your premenstrual stage, which is, well, we say two to three weeks before the, the, the your actual period, so before bleeding, because um, it can be different. Some people might get it in three weeks, some people might get it in two weeks leading up. So, um, but anywhere between there, you kind of get this premenstrual stage. Um, nothing really happens too much in that period, usually for most people. So they get into like two weeks before, which is the follicular stage, where you start getting some hormone um, changes, let's say. So things like estrogen starts to increase. I think that creates or stimulates like your, your um, uterine lining to start to obviously thicken. So you start getting some blood and water all start to go into the, uh, into the uterus. I think that's then what causes a lot of the water retention and obviously bloating from from uh, from, from those increasing hormones and obviously kind of getting ready to, to store the egg in there, I suppose. So, um, yeah, for for obviously dealing with the bloating, there's not I don't think there's really too much people can really do with it. That's the thing. So for like dealing with it, it's kind of a case of obviously it's just a natural physiological change that happens. Um, uh, so like there isn't really too much you can do with with dealing with it so you just kind of have to let it happen at that point some people might start to i think get i think that's like that follicular stage where and again this is very 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 uh interchangeable um or sorry individualized i should say that some people might start to get some some cravings behind then um and i don't be honest i don't know the science of why but it does tend to like alma's question around like particularly sugar and salt my my feelings are that 
like or from from speaking to people and experience that it does tend to be those like sugary foods so like chocolate and that type of stuff um i haven't really heard quite so much salty foods but i guess you know if 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 Fam's questions folks around that i guess she does um so i don't really know why i don't know if if matt you got anything on that bit before i move on to the next stages if you've got anything to add to that bit but no, I don't know. I don't really know the reason behind it. I just know we talk about it mainly with our clients in terms of um, not so much that side of stuff, um, but obviously making adjustments if I need to week before and week after, but more to do with the weight side of things, so how that impacts weight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and why, you, again, why we always use trends and look at yeah, well, uh, I suppose week in isolation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah not, not on the... Craving side of it, I've I've heard of chocolate mainly, nothing salty. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, so I guess like I say, the craving sometimes then kick in there. I, we have talked about it um, again in the in the group. But I don't think we covered it on the podcast, but some of the things you might be able to help with. Um, well, I suppose just just touch on the bloating thing. I suppose the only thing I could say, like nutritionally, how to help with bloating at those stage is basically just trying to avoid things that might normally make you bloat or make it worse. So. I guess like really, really high fiber foods, you might get a bit of bloating with if you're eating loads of fiber. So it might be like, like useful to maybe avoid them in that period. Or it could be if you have trouble with gluten or anything like that where you do get a bit of bloating from bread. So obviously a lot of people do then, again, maybe it's just something to consider. So just, I suppose it's more cases just avoiding foods that might usually make you bloat in those periods because obviously you're then going to get doubly bloated or just managing kind of bloating in general. Um, so things kind of make you gassy, avoid those types of foods. So I guess a lot of people like fermentable foods or, or like um, uh, like FODMAPs basically. So fermentable, um, oligosaccharide, disaccharide, monosaccharide and polyols. So those types of very... Wow, surprised you could ever say that. I can never say <laughs> Google it. FODMAP, Google it, yeah. No, mate, it's uh, on full menu, don't I? So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like those types of foods especially can cause people problems. So um, a lot of nightshades like garlic, onions, some a lot of like mushrooms, some raw veggies, uh, like sugar alcohols and things like protein bars and like diet foods. So a lot of diet foods to remove calories and sugar, they will replace them with things like polyols, which are lower in calorie per, for, for the sweetness. Um, so basically like the level of sweetness you get out of a lot of things like sugar alcohols or polyols, a lot, they're a lot, lot sweeter than sugar. So you can use less of them and therefore get less calories. And they, I think they are less calorie per gram than, than, um, than like carbs basically or sugars anyway. So basically that's why you find a lot of protein bars or a lot of like diet foods that need sweetness uses those because it just cuts down on calories, but they can cause bloating and issues with a lot of people. So it's just stuff like that really just manage bloating in general. Um, I, I could be completely way off in that I will openly put my hands up and say I'm no expert when it comes to um, women's cycles. So if someone knows better, then maybe go see them. But that's probably what I, or certainly what I say to obviously people I've worked with. And that's all I've really got to add on, on that. So, so yeah, so obviously that's your second, like a week before your period is what's called the luteal stage. Again, kind of you get like a uh, change in hormones again. So progesterone starts to replace the estrogen and then that is what then reduces uh, the bloating. You might still see some water retention. So um, from a weight perspective, like your premenstrual stage, you probably should be back to like a normalish weight or you could consider that your normalish weight. Obviously your weight's gonna start to increase potentially with excess 
uh, water in the follicular stage and then your luteal stage. So basically your two weeks leading up to your period, which you probably might start to see your weight increase even though you're dieting. Um, and then obviously you then get to your period, which then obviously flushes it out. So obviously your weight should then start to drop. And then you get back to your postmenstrual uh, like stage, and then you might start to see some premenstrual symptoms again, and then it restarts all over again. So Matt, just going back to your point about the main things you need to think about is actually like from a weight perspective, because there are these changes that happen in terms of water retention and stuff. For com- like basically you, acute figures, we all we've said enough times they don't matter. They literally do not matter. Um, what really matters is your average over time. So usually you compare week to week, but as a woman, that becomes more difficult because of all the things we just said. So the point you made is like, you kind of really have to, for a woman, compare month to month. So you'd almost compare like your premenstrual week to your following premenstrual week and your follicular week to your next one and your luteal to your next one. Because again, you're gonna see some into individual as well. So it's not even like a case of you can really compare like almost person to person. It's kind of like you need to compare your own week almost to your corresponding week and therefore you're going to get the best gauge of progress I don't think it's really other way of doing it yeah 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 he's gone straight in yeah yeah cool right I don't like yeah I think out of that it's not really much more I suppose the other thing on the craving thing actually just to quickly add before obviously we let this man roll um I guess just deal with nutrition like you would do any time where you feel you might have cravings again. So like we tell a lot of people sometimes either to take like a diet break in that like week leading up to a period maybe, or it could be a case of they just allow themselves a bit more flexibility. Um, so maybe take some calories from one day, uh, one week, sorry, and so they can increase them the following week to help them deal. Because a bit like your bread example about like people stopping binging because you told them that actually a bit of bread's allowed. If you can kind of just lay yourself a bit more on those days, it might stop you binging on other periods. So we excuse the pun. We. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that's that's probably like one of the easiest ways to do it, really. Like I say, if not, just have a, a diet break, but just try not to go too crazy. I think over and obviously as long as you're, you're making progress over the month, then I guess that's really what matters. It looks like you're drinking beer. Uh, Seventeen, I'm winding up. Um, yeah. Seven thirty, seventy, drinking beer. Uber nutritionist. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, that's sort of thing he had to do. He'd be drinking gin at this time of the morning. Ch- change the game. Uh, right. Well, that's a, sorry, I'm just stretching. Big, massive stretch. Right. So I think we'll end it there because um, this is pretty much an hour long anyway. So we've done three questions yeah. an hour. We've obviously did some co- uh, comprehensive answers. Um, exactly. Exactly. Just want to shout out to, um, uh, or not shout out, I just want to put a message out there. Please, please, please. If you like these podcasts, um, can you please, one, share them with your network, share them with your friends, family, put it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media you use. Just get the message out there and just try and ask people to listen because new, new subscribers, new listeners and reviews are what really gets or helps us get up the charts. Therefore, we can get more information to more people and help more people because that's what we are about. We do this for free, don't forget, because we love helping people. Um, and if you haven't, could you please leave a review um, we'll leave it to your own device in terms of whether you want to be a positive or a negative one but we're hoping that if you're listening it's probably for a good reason so <laughs> please leave a five star if you can but if you left the one star and you told us why at least we wouldn't be overly mad 
Um, yeah, if you're not, if you're trolling. Unless you're trolling, you're a bit, then you're just a bit of a tosser, really, because there's, there's trolling and then there's ruining people's iTunes feedback by leaving one-star reviews. That's a whole nother level. Uh, you bring my score down, I will hunt you down. Yeah. Uh, as, long as, as long as it's trolling. If it's a genuine, you don't like a podcast, then you give us a... Feedback yeah. as to why I might tell Yeah, that's fair. It's fair, fair, fair game, yeah. Do it like, cause to me, that, I, I absolutely hate. It's the worst thing when someone if, like, leaves a one star review anywhere and then doesn't say why. It's like, because that's just not helpful, mate. Not in the slightest. So, yes, please do that. Um, also, um, if you, I say, oh, like Matt said at the start, if you're not in the No Nonsense Nutrition Facebook group, go to Facebook, search No Nonsense Nutrition, like our page, join the free group. Tons of info in there. Um, you'll also get a sneak peek of the uh, when the, the next intake or launch of the semi-private uh, coaching comes out. So for anyone that wants something that's affordable, but an absolute ton of value, we will be posting testimonials to people that have been through it now so you can see what people are saying. And genuinely, I think a lot of it is um, for, for like life-changing for some people because obviously they've learned so much in that short period of time that it's just changed the way they're eating. Like, yet been able to live their life so and i don't think that's an understatement is it no and i think you get the expertise of all five coaches and um, clearly this one being the best but yeah sure. some four other okay-ish coaches <laughs> 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 no it's true it's true so uh well i don't know about the best bit but you've got five coaches that's true um yeah so yeah no one, who, one who um actually one who massively underrates himself what paul yeah, yeah, he's he's just too modest. He's too modest. Like, too modest. Yeah, totally he, inverse. Yeah, he, he is actually. Um, but yes, actually, there you go. We'll see if he listens to this as well because you'll probably get some. You get WhatsApp later or tomorrow. Or well, actually, no, it'll be today. Yeah. No, it will be tomorrow. But it's today, if that makes sense. As in, like we're recording so this Sunday, but it'll be Monday that he says it. So, but when you're listening so, to this, yeah, we're like, sorry. Did, did someone say something? Yeah. Did someone say something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, um, yeah. So please leave reviews. Join the group. Blah blah blah. I don't think I've got anything else to say. You probably want me to. No, just if you if you if you do want to share that on socials, we are on Facebook and Instagram. No, it's just nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Nice and easy. Take us in. Take And if you've got, uh, just, Go uh, just one other thing, I was going to say, if you've got any questions, contact anyone on any of those methods, personally or on the nutrition group pages, etc. Or you can go info at nncoaching.com. So you can send an email. Yeah, you can send an email there. So, and if you've got any podcast ideas as well, so if anything you want us to ramble about, then do that. Mate, look at that. He's doing a side tricep pose. Don't you look like you've got a little bit of growth there, mate? Anyone's watching, he's currently doing some bodybuilding poses into the camera. Um, that was more of a, uh, what do they call that? Um, the bowl. No, no, the, no. Uh, it's like a Usain Bolt, but what they do? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the dab thing. The dab, that's it. No, no, I don't want to do that. I just thought it was a true the bolt. Oh, right. right. Anyway, right. We are Hit the button, Brazil. We are Hit pushing, the button. pushing that button. Bonjour. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.